So I have a question. How are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses and it is consuming our lives? How do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. What's up, everyone? Welcome to today's podcast. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. I have got a wonderful treat today. I have Christine Rose with us, and she is a coach, and she does all kinds of amazing stuff. She is crazy accomplished, and I'm just so excited to have her on the show. Christine, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you, John. Oh, yeah. I am, uh, like I said, uh, and it's, it's kind of interesting because um, because me and Christine both use uh, Podmatch, and I sent her something yesterday, and she responded back so quickly. I am just, and, and uh, you know, and, and the thing is, is that whenever you have such a high-quality guest as Christine, it's really, it's, it's almost a little intimidating whether or not you're going to get a response back quick enough. But I am so glad that you responded back quick enough, and I got you on today. So, um, Christine, tell me a little bit about what you what you what you do, what your passion is, um, or not me, but t- tell my listeners because everybody's just. I mean, I I am just on pins and needles here. So, that is very kind of you, John, and I appreciate it. Coming from a guy who's got ten UPS stores, two Christmas stores, fourteen businesses, and you and your wife are amazing, and a blessing to so many people so and a very successful podcast. So thank you very much. I am really happy to be a coach of business owners. I'm passionate about helping business owners to, to really fully live, right? I want to see them get some balance in their lives. I want to see them enjoying their lives. And also I want to see them growing value in their company so that when it comes time for them to transition out, that they are able to do that well and really increase the value of their company. And I do that in a couple different ways. Uh, I, I own a business coaching firm and based near Seattle that has been going since 2015. And I just started a company called CEO Excel. And I guess it's a, an online version, except not really, but it's an online competitor, maybe to Vistage or EO or uh, YPO, but it's for business owners with a million plus revenue. And it's helping them to connect with other CEOs in the virtual space uh, with, you know, without the spamming that you're getting on LinkedIn, <laughs> with uh, really being able to connect dive into value building together, uh, dive into coaching if you you know need coaching for yourself or your teams to be able to accelerate your leadership, get more innovation out of your teams, you know, just get more value in your company, or if you want to be a part of one of those mastermind groups or peer advisory groups, but you can't afford the time uh, because those can take a lot of time. Uh, the CEO Excel is a company that provides those types of services in a much more time efficient way that's all virtual. Um, I'm also an author. I'm really excited about being able to offer coaching to 
business owners around the how do I make my company a harassment-free zone. So I'm the author of Life Beyond Hashtag Me Too, creating a safer world for our mothers, daughters, sisters, and friends. And uh, the new 2021 updated edition. I was so excited that my friend Jack Canfield, who uh, I, people might recognize him from Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, endorsed the book. And he said, I think... I, I think it's a great book. I think managers and leaders should all be required to read this book. And he said, get two copies and give someone you, someone you care about this message of hope. So I'm, I'm really focused on helping leaders lead well and live wonderful lives. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what you're doing is just 100% amazing. And so Let's kind of get into what drives value in businesses. We talked about that just a little bit earlier, but uh, while we're off uh, before we start the podcast, and I'm just curious because the thing is, is that I think that's kind of your new passion project right now is what is driving value? Yeah, thank you. And, you know, when business owners think about value, the first thing they think about is Revenue, right? They just, they're thinking about revenue and that's important. It is true. You know, when you hit 20 million, you're going to get a higher multiple than when you're at 1 million. Yep. And so it pays to want to increase revenue. And yet, uh, so, you know, bigger companies do get better multiples. If you, uh, you know, if you're 10 million plus your, your multiple, which is like the percentage it's what your company would sell for, uh, multiple of earnings, right? So overall, uh, average is about 3.66. If you are less than a million, your average multiple is going to be 2.84. And if you're over 10 million, your average multiple is going to be 5.09. So bigger companies get bigger multiples. So that's one way to grow value is to grow revenue, but it's more than that. Industry also matters a little bit. Um, you know, if you're an, an administrative and support type of industry, your multiples like 1.8 on the industry. And if you're in manufacturing at 4.52, so industry matters typically. Uh, but you can definitely outshine your industry uh, in and building value far beyond what the industry typical multiple is. So the first thing is to think about recurring revenue. Um, companies that have 75% or higher ref recurring revenue get much higher offers. Um, again, if the average multiple is 3.76, if you have 75% or more of your Business is recurring revenue, your multiples 5.89. So one way to increase value in your company is to look at the offers that you're making and what your clients are buying from you and figure out whether or not there's a way to make your customers automatic customers. Uh, John Warlow wrote the book called The Automatic Customer. You can, I, you can check that out. Uh, you can also get in touch with me and I'll share. There's 
there's different subscription models or models. We think about like software as being an automatic customer type of thing. We're just paying every month, but it doesn't really matter what industry you're in. If, you know, if you're in an industry that doesn't typically have monthly subscribers, look at what your offers are again and see what it is that people want that, that you might segment, you know, who's buying from you. And is there a segment that could buy on a recurring basis? And let's focus on those. Um, in value builder, Sanu Panda and Brian Burkhart were co-founders of a company called H Bloom. And, you know, when they started, they, um, they really were selling like flowers and the average dollar volume of sales, $29. And when they looked at recurring revenue opportunities, they realized that fancy hotels need flowers in the lobby on an ongoing basis to keep that going. And they created a subscription business for those type of folks uh, that, that need those recurring revenue. And, you know, we're really like, they were able to create recurring revenue that is, you know, in the thousands per year and the lifetime value of the customers, you know, 4,500 instead of $27. And so look at recurring revenue. That's one way seriously to increase value. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that uh, I love this point that you bring up because in my UPS stores, we do something, um, that is not automatic, but it is still recurring. It is, it is, um, what I call, um, squeezing the apple to get a little more juice out of it. Okay. And so what we do is that, um, so we, we have turned into a print locations in, in my UPS stores. And so let's say that you come in, Christine, and you say, Hey, I need some business cards, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to print your business cards for you. I'm going to give them to you, but then I'm going to do a follow up back up with you. And I have a 30, 60, and 90 day plan that we do. And so I'm going to follow back up with you two weeks after you get your cards. And I'm going to follow back up with you again two weeks after that. And when I follow up with you the first time, it's going to be, hey, Christine, did your business cards turn out okay? Because some people, some people don't like their business cards, but they won't come back in and say it. They'll just go find another vendor. I want to fix that problem within the first two weeks. And then we come back and then I talk to you. After that, and then the second phone call I have with you or email or whatever way you prefer for us to do it. So sometimes it's just text messaging. Um, but we will ask you, do you have any upcoming print projects that you need service or help with? And we do this for 30, 60, and 90 days. And we contact them twice within those each, those 30-day segments. And what it what happens is, is that you may not have something right now, but you never know what's going to happen in the next 60 days. And people normally have some sort of print need within 90 days. Every business person out there normally has some sort of print need in 90 days. And we found this formula that works really well. And so what we're doing is that we're taking our customers and now we're making them raving fans of ours because we are contacting them on a regular basis to make sure that we are servicing them and giving them everything that they need within that realm. And most people mm -hmm. don't even know because the thing, but is, is you may get your business cards, but you may not know that we can do large format stuff. You know, what if you need a banner for an upcoming event? What if you need a retractable banner for an upcoming event? 
What if you need posters? What if you need brochures? What if you need pamphlets? What do you, I mean, what if you need what, whatever you need? We can print stuff out. What if it is order forms because you because you're going to a speaking event and then you're going to be at the back of the room later on and you need a three part form, right? We can do that for you. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, Brilliant. is that. Yeah. So the thing is, is that you got to start thinking, and I, and I think that's what you're talking about. You you have to start thinking outside the box in order to really get people to get the value out of their products and services. Yeah. Well, John, it sounds to me like one of the things that you're doing also is creating a little bit of monopoly control. Like, so what you're doing now is creating a competitive moat. That's what uh, Warren Buff, Buffett calls it. And customers now are seeing you as the source because you're going to them and saying, hey, any of this stuff that you need, we're the source. We have it. So um, monopoly control is the second driver of value. And that's having your customers see you as the go-to. And um, There's a, a company called Ruby Receptionist, and they became the go-to source for personal receptionists with high-tech and high-touch human connection. And they were growing annually over 30% year after year. And that lets you have pricing advantages in your, in your market that are increasing your profit margins. That's pursuing growth that uh, isn't like revenue at all costs, but it's really what's your competitive advantage and being the one who provides what the buyer wants in a strategic way. That's a competitive advantage for you. And having that kind of that monopoly control can be a really good growth driver. So for the listener, what is it that customers see you as the source for in your market? You know, where do you work in? Where are you like the big fish in the small pond that that's providing that the customers are coming to you for? And then as they're coming to you, then you know, you're getting more dollars for your sales and marketing because you're getting more profit to be able to put into the sales and marketing. And like you're, you know, like John, you're able to use that money to reach out to people and tell them, hey, we do this, we do this. And we don't want to increase. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be the source for everything. I want to be the source for this thing. So like John, it's like everything related to printing and presentations. I want to be the source for. But for your company, what is it? right? For you and your business, what's the thing that you want to be known for in your market? And you're going to get that monopoly control. Yeah. So, so, I, so Christine, I got a really great story about this. So um, this was, so when I opened up my first UPS store, um, I was about two or three years in and I decided that I was going to get into the, to the print market. I was going to start printing. And so I decided to take out a couple of billboards and I put my, and I put just color, color copy prices up and I put up a black and white copy. Okay. It was a big giant red billboard that said the UPS store on it. And then it said, I think it said, um, 30 cent color copies and five cent black and white copies. And I put it up right in front of my competitor's store. And when you walk out the door of his of his of his establishment, you see my billboard, and I controlled that market. I monopolized that market because 
everybody that did printing in, in that town, which is a fairly small town too, about 10,000 people, I monopolized the entire, I controlled the market with that billboard. And everybody else went, went either matched me or went a little bit below. And that competitor of mine went to four cent black and white copies. And I think it was 25 cent color copies. And I controlled his market. And as soon as I took that billboard down, he raised his price up because we were at that time, most people were getting like 89 cents a color copy and they were getting Mm -hmm. about 15 cents for black and white copy. And I controlled that entire market. And it was the most fun thing I've ever done. And I, I seen the guy that owned that down the other copy shop, um, at chamber event meetings and he would avoid me like the plague. He didn't want to talk to me because he was just so mad at me for that. Right. Right. And John, you know, when you have a monopoly in your market, the companies that have that kind of monopoly are getting 50% higher offers for their business when it's time to sell. Um, we ask in the value builder survey, survey, what multiple of your earnings did the offer represent? If, and if you, you know, if you have a high monopoly, you're getting 5.43 multiple. If you if you've got an average, you know, kind of market share, you're getting 3.6. So it really does matter in terms of value of the company, uh, how much you control that. Um, you know, there's a, a company called, um, well, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. There's an owner who had a $9 million company selling uh, nanny services, nanny payroll for nanny services. And she had the choice of, do I go sell more stuff to parents or do I go find more parents with nannies that they need to pay and doing the payroll for the nannies? Um, and she ended up sticking with, let's do payroll for nannies and let's do it well. Let's have that be the one thing. So her growth was a little slower in terms of revenue in terms of like slow, slow and steady revenue, but she did that one thing really well. And then when it came time to sell, she's like, who has access to parents that need to pay their nannies and found a company called care.com and was able to go to care.com and said, you know, it took me all this time to grow this company years and years to get to here. But you have all of these people that are paying nannies and you can do this you know, overnight consist make, you know, if you converted just a few of these companies, uh, you know, or these, these parents into customers, this is going to pay for itself so fast. She sold her $9 million company for 54 million. So sticking with what you do best instead of, uh, taking off and doing everything is kind of part of that monopoly control idea. Um, another driver of value, John, is in your net promoter score. Uh, companies that use the net promoter score and get a high net promoter score are shown to be likely to grow at a rate much faster than the economy. And this is really attractive to buyers that are looking at the future income and growth potential of your business. Uh, net promoter score is a tool that was developed that has you know, basically it's asks the questions of 
you know, how likely are, are you to, uh, recommend our business to other people? And you have your promoters that are like a, a nine or 10. You have your detractors and those are like six and under. And then the middles, right? Are passives. And what you do is you take your promoters percentage and you kind of ignore the passes, but you subtract the number of detractors that you have, and then you get your net promoter score. If you have a net promoter score uh, that's high, you're uh, you're going to be significantly more likely to get higher value for your company. And so that's another tool that you can use to grow value in your company. Uh, it's a little different than your regular customer service survey. I mean, because it is a measure that you can track over time of the loyalty and the repeat buying behavior of your customers. Yeah. And that there is a, that there, for at least for the UPS stores, that there's a really big deal because our ideal client is actually small business owner that doesn't have time, especially the ones that are working from home. That own, a, that own a small business and they're doing it out of their home, those are our ideal clients. And it doesn't matter what the gender is. It just matters what the, you know, the, the demographic I'm looking at is you are working from home, small business owner, or even if you own a brick and mortar store, it doesn't really matter, small business. Because the thing is, is that we end up being your your one-stop shop for all the things that you really need. So if you're needing printing, you're needing a mailbox, if you're needing um, facts and service. And people don't understand. People think faxing is, is, is a dead service. It is not. There's still so many companies out there that require it because when you fax something, it is it, it was done back in the 70s that – that they um that the law passed that anything faxed is a legal document and it was something that was passed back in the late 70s and so the thing is there's lots of companies that are still fairly old school that require you to fax stuff in or fax things as legal documents because if you ever go to court a fax document is a viable document mm, that's great yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, and, you know, whether you fax or you email your net promoter score survey out to people, uh, you know, the guy who invented the net promoter score, his name is Fred Reichelt. And there's a predictive value, right, for potential buyers in terms of if, if the customer promotes you, they give you a nine or 10 on how likely are you to recommend us to a friend or colleague. They're much more likely. They're like 78% more likely to repurchase from you than people who don't give you that score. It's highly predictive. So that's why it's important to be a leading value indicator for your company. And you can track that data over time and improve your net promoter score over time. And you know what? You go ahead and fax that thing out to people, but maybe you want to email them now. <laughs> but yeah, but, oh, uh, yeah. Keep, keep that right. Keep that. Uh, I mean, promoter score information. Yeah, going. I, yeah. I know for us, our um, we. I mean, 
we emailed just about everything, but it, 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 I was just kind of, it was just a weird statistic that people are still email. I mean, people are still faxing stuff. I just thought that was just mm-hmm. the strangest thing because when I opened up my first UPS store back in 2003, um, I was just like, okay, this is, this is dying, right? It's 2022. It's still not dead. And in fact, in one of my locations, it is one of the strongest officers we got. But anyhow, but, um, but yeah, great. I mean, but the thing is, but when we're talking about adding, adding value too, I think something that is really hard to, to get a metric on is the experience your customers have when they come into your locations. And the thing is, is that, um, that there's why we get most of our repeat customers is because we have focused upon an experiential piece when you come into our stores instead of just regular customer service, because there's a difference between serving your customers and providing them an experience because serving, because everybody's serving everybody, especially in in the retail world, but providing and creating this experience. Now you're tapping into people's feelings and that there's a, difficult metric um to find out but i think um that goes directly in with the um net promoter score too because the thing is is that because if you got somebody out there promoting you right they they have to be doing it for a reason and for us we Mm -hmm. know that when we have people promoting us it is all about the experience that we provide in our stores Yeah. And you know, one of the words you keep on saying, John, that I hope your listeners are hearing is we. So Uh, one of the drivers of value, (laughs) one of the drivers of value in terms of do I have a company that I can sell is that your company isn't overly dependent on any one customer or supplier or employee, right? And John Warlow, who wrote the book Built to Sell, calls this a Switzerland structure because Switzerland insisted on independence, right, in so many ways. But you want to be independent of any one customer, employee, or 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 supplier, including you, owner, right? It, it's, yeah. Your company is yeah. going to be less valuable to an investor if it's all about you. If it's about we and you are creating the standard operating procedures so that your employees know how to create that amazing high touch emotional connection with your customers. If you're creating things where it's not just about you, but it's about we. Um, and then also that you are diversifying your customers. You don't want to have more than 15% of your revenue coming in from a single customer. If you do, that's going to decrease the value of your company to a buyer. And you don't want to be too dependent on a single supplier because that also is going to decrease the value of your company to a buyer. Yeah, most definitely. Um, You know, when you say that is that if I was to pass away tomorrow, okay, we have developed systems and procedures. So we create a, so we create a framework that, that, that all of our stores follow, right? And then you plug in procedures for every one of them. And we do the same thing with every location. So every location I have, and none of my locations are close by. Uh, it, it, it takes six hours to travel from my two farthest locations from each other. Mm-hmm. But um, but the thing is, is that the way we've set up my UPS stores is that 
Well, I've got a manager in every location. Okay. And then I have, and then I have my director of operations. And what she does is that she manages the managers and then we manage her. And mm-hmm. so she is yeah. so much. So with my UPS stores, she is the voice. Okay. And if she leaves us, I can hire somebody in to do that job. And that person will be the new voice. And so and yeah. we also train all of our managers to train up someone to replace them because we know that our UPS stores are stepping stones for other better jobs. We understand that. And since we understand what we're doing with our employees, so we're training them to have and get a better job. And don't get me wrong, we mm-hmm. pay our managers really good money. We offer them all kinds of benefits. But some managers want to stay with us because they like the retail environment and some people don't. And the thing is, is that we have created this. We have created these steps and procedures, these systems to where our managers train people with inside that store to replace them. And in doing that, we've created this culture of always promoting and helping every employee out. So that they can, so that they can better themselves. So when people tell me I'm quitting because I've got another job, the only question I have is that, is it a better job than what you have now? And if they say yes, I'm so excited for them because the mm-hmm. thing is, is that we are promoting self worth. We are promoting helping yourself being a better, being a better version of yourself than you were today. So that is what we're trying yeah. to do. And the thing is, is that oh, whenever yeah. we do this, we are, we are creating an environment of growth, and that's what we want. We want, we want an environment of growth within our UPS stores. And when you do this, it not only helps out that individual, but they become better people, better servants, so that they can serve our customers better and provide them with an experience that they won't get at any other UPS store. Mm, that's brilliant. And also, you're pro- providing a, an environment that's increasing the value for whoever acquires your company because you're not relying on a single customer. You don't know all your customers' names personally as the, you know, at, at the top leadership level. You, your store owners know your customers' names. I mean, your store, your store employees know customers. You don't personally have to know every single customer. You don't personally, uh, you know, everybody doesn't depend on you. There's a team going on. So you're not relying on a single employee. You're not relying on single suppliers. So you got that Switzerland structure figured out and that's increasing the value of your company. And the last thing I wanted to talk about with increasing value is growth potential. So when you're thinking about how can, how can you scale up you know, what does it take to scale up when it comes to an acquirer? What they're asking themselves is, what's it going to take to come in and grab the baton from you? I mean, if you're the owner who's taking the last lap as you're finishing your marathon run of growing your company, the acquirer is thinking, how do I grab the baton? How do I look down the track and what kind of future do I see? Is there ability to scale that by 10 times or more how could how quickly could i come in 
put my resources to work in this company, add more people, distribution, money, etc., and grow it to the point that I envision. So what's the growth potential? And if you lease some field left to plow for the people who are going to acquire the business from you, that can really increase the value of your company as well. A lot of owners think I'm ready to sell my company because I'm turning 62 or 65 or 67 or 70. And they are very disappointed when they either don't get a written offer or they're getting offers that are a lot lower than they imagine what their companies are worth. And Value Builder is a tool, an assessment and a program that when owners complete their Value Builder score, most of the time they're getting 59 out of 100 points on the assessment. And they're going to go for about 3.5 times pre-tax profit. And when they raise their score up to 90 or higher on Value Builder and they're working with CEO Excel or, you know, they, they work with me as a certified value builder advisor and we get that score up to 90 out of 100. Those businesses are trading at 7.1 pre time, uh, times pre tax profit, more than double what the average score is. So when we work with you, we're going to make a material impact on the value of your company. Um, so I encourage your listeners to Connect with me, uh, go on to ceoxl.com and connect with me and let me send you that value builder assessment and let's have a conversation on increasing the value of your company before it's time for you to transition out. Um, because the people who are helping you prepare for that exit, um, you know, we want to see you transition beautifully for yourself, for your employees. And uh, and not be taken by surprise, you know, at the end of your marathon that, hey, things aren't going the way I want them to go. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, I've got a couple of uh, people, a couple uh friends that own UPS stores. They're at this point now to where they're just like, you know, I'm wanting to get out and things. And they they hate and they're not doing the things that they need to be doing to get the value, because the thing what I understand is that UPS stores are going for um, uh, for high prices right now. And if you are doing the things that you're supposed to be doing and you work with someone like you, then you can get the best money for your stores. I mean, and there's been some stores that's gone for crazy money that I would think, I mean, Way more than I mean than their than their than what their annual sales are, and it's because of growth. It's because potential growth, and people don't understand. I mean, and and, and that there's a hard thing to actually put a finger on is potential growth, and there's all kinds of factors in doing that, and in saying, okay, this company has X amount of potential growth. And and showing what you're doing, because the thing about it is, is that it's hard to sell a company on just that alone. But when you when you have the tools that you have to be able to really look at these things, then you're able to sell companies, sell businesses for uh, more than you can more than you really think that they're even worth. So it's pretty amazing. Right, because the acquirer is looking at what's it worth to them. 
That's you know, right. what's it worth to them in terms of if I get this company and I invest in it and make this what I want it to be, where's it going to take me? And so they're looking at all these things that we talked about today. Um, and, you know, it doesn't hurt also to start creating a short list of, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now when it's time for me to sell, who would my potential acquirers be? So working with a value builder advisor, working with uh, CEO Excel, getting in a group with other owners, it doesn't really matter what your industry is. You can have UPS stores, you could be in retail, you could be in manufacturing, you could be in trades and construction, you can be in any kind of business, and you can definitely beat the industry significantly by doing some thinking in advance and being strategic thinking about your company from the acquirer's perspective. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, so if if, if I'm going to talk real quick about my Christmas decorating business, we are, we are trying to move away in one of my, my locations from doing a lot of residential Christmas decorating. We're moving more into doing commercial clients and we're starting to specialize in our local municipalities within a, six to eight county range here. And the thing is, is that because they can budget every year for this. Now, don't get me wrong. They can also say, hey, I I can't do it this year too. But when you add in other businesses too, especially when we get into the tourist industry in Sevier County, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. These are all tourist areas near me. And we are starting to really grab hold of in this county and really starting to pull some of these tourist businesses and doing their Christmas decorating for them. And what's happening with this is that now not only are they just doing Christmas, but now they're going into other, now they're leaving up decorations going into other seasons like Valentine's day, St. Patrick's day, Easter. And then, then they're coming back and starting decorating earlier in October for Halloween with us too. So it's really cool to see when you change your model just a little bit and focus on the right things, the growth you can have. And then when I go to sell this business, because I will one day, and, and, and if I'm already specializing in commercial business for decorating, what's going to happen is that once I get have systems and procedures set up in this and have the right marketing and advertising set up too, then all you got to do is inject more money into certain things, especially advertising. And you can get, I mean, and you can potentially grow this exponentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how strategic you are, John. That's exactly the point of working with value builders too, is to get, get that kind of strategic thinking going. And a lot of times owners are so in the day to day uh, and so, so in the now that they're really not thinking about the business in terms of how can I increase the value when I sell? Um, and so it, it's helpful to work with the business coach. It's helpful to have yeah. a peer advisory group. It's helpful to have, you know, outside eyes on the business just to help us even just maintain that awareness of, Oh yeah. I need to get out of that uh, in the weeds. I need to get out of the weeds for a minute. I need to get to the 10,000 foot level and get strategic about how I'm growing this company. 
Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's the downsides of so many – because the thing about it is, is that I, I treat my business as one big large company now with different divisions. Each store is a, each UPS store is its own LLC, so I can just pull these off really simple, easy if I want to sell them. That there was strategic in the beginning, and I think that there's the biggest part with most business owners is that they need someone like you to get that view. And most of us, I mean, it, it took me a long time, but when I pulled myself out of the day-to-day workings of the business and how it runs day-to-day, I don't worry about if someone doesn't show up. It, you know, I had to close down a UPS store for three or four days back a week and a half ago because everybody in the store had COVID. So I had to shut down the store. And, you know, but I, I wasn't worried that that's not part of my day to day. I have a, I have other things that I have to do to worry about these things. And so whenever yeah. an owner is able to find someone like you, Christine, and to be able to pull them out of that day to day stuff and get them at a 10,000 foot level and have them take a look down and look and see what's going on. It's really amazing well, what, what, what you'll find and a little scary too. Hmm. Well, a great way to get information about doing that is to take the free value builder assessment. So go on the CEO Excel website and connect with me and I'll get that free assessment out to you. And um, it can help to start seeing kind of where you are and where you could go with growing value in the company. Perfect. So what I'm going to do, Christine, is that in the notes of this um, podcast, I'm going to put all the links to you. And to, and, and to all your sites and stuff. And so this way people will be able to contact you and be able to, to, to get more in touch with you uh, through the links. So I really do appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for all your insight that you've given me and also my listeners. Mm, thank you, John. And I hope everybody's okay. All the employees are fine and recover from COVID. It's still not a joke. Um, and so yeah. my heart goes out to them and their families. Hope things work out there. And yep. it's really a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for inviting me to, to be your guest here. Oh yes, it's been it's it's been a fun little chat. And yes, all my all my employees have covered recovered fully, and everybody's back at work. So I'm super I'm super happy about that. Everybody had a mild case of it, so that there was a, I only had one one employee that had um that was that was um that was somewhere in the mid range that wasn't really bad, but it wasn't mild either so anyhow but thanks christine thank you for coming on and for my listeners thank you guys thank you for listening and we will see you on the next one thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode hopefully what i shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds businesses and profits if this episode did help you be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. I hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a fantastic day, my friends.